everybody, welcome to episode number 85 of Millennial Gaming Speak. I am your host, Logan Moore, and with me this week, as always, is Max Roberts. Max, how's it going? It's going fine and dandy. Pew, 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 pew. I'm ready you're to... Doing uh, the, you're doing the rap air horn noises this I, week? I'm doing the rap air horn noises, but without the app. You need to get that app. It's a good app. just crammed right in here so we can uh, blow everyone's ears out. Not about that today. You should get that app. No, good app. no app. Uh, joining us also this week, though, from Yahoo is Mr. Michael Martin. Michael, thank you for joining us. I know it's been weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get you on this show. How's it going? Yeah, yeah I'm used to that. Uh, <laughs> everyone hates me. They don't. Want, they don't want to put me on their their podcast, right? Alex O'Neill. Ooh. Oh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm hanging in there. You haven't been on Alex's show once i think he's got a backlist of probably like 90 people that are trying to get on that show such a famous popular guy so i get it (laughs) um such a big shot so yeah thanks for coming on appreciate it uh for those who are unfamiliar michael go ahead and give us a rundown of where you're from and what you do and all that good stuff I am from the, I fight in the streets of Metro City. No, um, I'm from the <laughs> Seattle area. I write and talk about video games for a living, specifically now fighting games over at Yahoo Esports. Um, have been writing, talking about games for roughly three or four years, I think. Started out freelancing, worked my way up to the point that, yeah, I have a job full time talking about fighting games and esports. Uh, it's fun. I love it. I get to talk to a lot of people uh, for a living, which is really cool. It is super cool. Yeah, I saw it. So you and I met up at PSX. Yeah, PSX. Mm-hmm. And I saw you. You were there for what? The Capcom Cup, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw you there and we talked for a while and that was fun. I th- if I remember right, you came up after I was shooting something that was for some reason, incredibly difficult to get through. <laughs> you had and just I, finished shooting something. I think I got there like the last second. So maybe your last good take. I just remember thinking, God, can we just end this now? Like, I just wanted to be so done uh, with and the then, day. And then you had to deal with Logan. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that, that that was much easier. It's much easier to deal with uh, my, my fanboys than. <laughs> uh, How uh how ha- has that transition to being like an on-screen personality been? Because you are, like you said, like you're more inherently like a writer type. How has that transition gone for you? Uh, yeah, so like, uh, I guess I should say first, I, I still love writing. Um, I think that it's, it's, I think it's easier to maybe get your foot in the door if you want to freelance through writing. Um, but if you want to stay in this industry, you're going to have to at some point do something on video, whether it's uh, maybe making your own videos and video editing or uh, being on camera. So um, the transition, I would say I learned a lot in 2016, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of like finding, trying to find a balance between writing 
and uh, being on camera because I do I do work from home. Um, I'm not in LA where Yahoo is based out of, so I do still do stuff like over Skype um, when I'm not at events and things like that. Um, so finding that balance has been tricky. I think with 2017, my goal was to, I guess, find a better balance between all of that. Uh, not having been on camera ever, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. It was really hard to find time to do when you're, if you're a full-time freelancer, you're constantly working, you're constantly looking for money. Right. Um, and on top of that, for a while I had a, uh, I had a, another job. And of course I have two young kids, four and two. Um, they both went down for naps just now. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, finding like the time to do on camera stuff was, I just couldn't, I'd never, never done anything on camera until Yahoo. Uh, did a couple videos. My first couple videos actually were, were with Andrea Renee. I think I remember seeing those actually. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know who that is, you probably should. Cause you've probably seen her in every GameStop you've ever been in. Um, not, not anymore though. On the, yeah, on the videos, yeah, not anymore. But so so that was great because she's been doing this, I think like ten years or so, mm-hmm. and she's super while, yeah yeah she's super professional. So it really helped to have someone like that sort of carry me through my first couple of videos. Um, after that, it was pretty easy. You know, I, I I guess even I surprised myself a little bit uh, about how easy it was for me to kind of like make that transition and talk on camera. Um, there's still some things that there's a lot of things I, I can learn and, and there's a lot of things that I haven't done on camera, but uh, I love it. And as you know, I'll do it as much as I can. So what we do here is by no means on the same level as what you're doing with Yahoo or anything, but yeah, uh, I, technically, I mean, kind I of, a, in I some got a ways. series right now. That's pretty much exactly this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what I've learned just in our time doing this show, Max, and I don't know how much you agree with this, but I think it's just, the trick to being on video or even podcasting is just trying to be as much of yourself as you can and not overthinking it. Because I think looking back at our earlier shows, I think what my biggest problems were just trying to host this show or just anything from those early days is you yeah. psych yourself out. Like you, you, you try to overthink every little thing that you're doing because you know, you're being recorded and you know, you're on video or whatever. When in reality, I think, there's so many conversations I've had with people about video games or just things in general. And I'm like, I wish we could have recorded that because that would have been a really good podcast or something like that. And so that that's taught me to essentially just treat it like it's anything else and don't overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. Even like audio podcasts, I think it's the same thing. Like if you start, I used to have a podcast for a little while and you, you try to pull from like everything else you see in here. Right. So you're like, Oh, I wanted to be kind of like that. Right. Um, I think one of the best podcasts, one of my favorite podcasts um, I haven't listened to in a while uh, is a nerdist because uh, what's his name? Chris Hardwick yeah. uh, interviews just like anyone, everyone, movie, music, whatever. Right. Um, and it's that like, they're just bullshitting. Like they just spend an hour bullshitting and that's kind of like the approach I wanted to take with what I do for a living. Cause I'm just like, Hey, I love fighting games. This guy loves fighting games. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And so, Kind of, you just mentioned fighting games and stuff, and that's specifically what you cover. Oh, you've covered the fighting game side of esports over there for Yahoo, mm-hmm. or all mm-hmm. esports. I primarily stick to fighting games because that's what I know best, and mm-hmm. um, you know the other things I just don't follow as closely. And I think when it comes to things like, uh, I mean, I think we see this in video games, like I guess uh, media journalism, whatever. Um, 
you can tell when someone covers something. I mean, there's plenty of people who cover things they don't necessarily know about and do a great job at it. But when it comes to like esports, if I feel like right now you kind of have to have people that are sort of embedded mm-hmm. in those scenes or those communities. And if they're not, um, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you can kind of tell when someone covers something and they're not, you know, from the scene, right? So I tend to s- stick to my own side of the street. <laughs> and so recently, at least it seems to me that there's almost been and maybe this isn't true. This is you my PSX hat, by the way. I know I noticed that at least. <laughs> what your sorry the PlayStation symbols in the corner? Yeah, I got that at PSX. I, I saw them a little bit. <laughs> and maybe maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I almost feel like there's been a resurgence in these fighting games, at least I've seen with Injustice and Street Fighter Five happened, and there's this I think Tekken Cross Street Fighters coming out or Tekken Seven. That's what it is. Tekken like, seven, yeah. I feel at least I'm seeing more and more of them. And is that the case? Is Are the fighting games kind of, at least those kind, getting the resurgence? Or have they just always been there and I'm just, I haven't noticed them? Uh, it's it's a little bit of both. So mm-hmm. fighting games, and as everyone knows, fighting games like in the 90s and early 2000s were huge. Then arcades died, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then fighting games sort of came back in 2007, 2008, uh, or maybe it's 2008, 2009, when Street Fighter 4 came out. Um, that like brought the whole fighting game genre back from the dead, uh, especially you know on console. Um, so fighting games since then have been around a lot of them, but I think what we're experiencing now, and I think why you, someone like yourself, is is you know taking notice, is because now we're in like this esports era. Mm-hmm. And it's become sort of uh, esports has gotten popular enough with other games and with fighting games. It's just sort of now growing to the point where I think more people are taking notice. Uh, there's a Street Fighter Five tournament uh, going on. I think it starts in a couple weeks uh, mm-hmm. on TBS with E League, and E League started out with Counter Strike first. So I think what you've seen is like this growth of fighting games as an esport, and yeah. So now more games, more fighting games are still coming out, but they're—I don't want to say they all want to want to be in esports, but esports has made a huge impact on fighting games and how they sort of, I guess, remain relevant. So does that desire to be a part of an esport or be in that coverage? Does that change the way that they're designing the games? Are there things that people are implementing, developers are implementing to make it specifically esport <laughs> friendly? Like I mean, I I think I saw a headline the other day that in an Injustice 2 you can buy your level ups or upgrades. Like you can you can buy your way to the tops, I guess, for the characters. So I don't specifically know with Injustice 2, but my okay. guess will be if that was ever to be a, and it probably will be because uh, MKX was uh, on ESL's Pro League, so I would assume Injustice 2 will will be the same. Um, things like that are usually, I, I, would, I would assume, is not going to be, uh, like a player won't be able to use those items or the, the, the gear in Injustice mm-hmm. 2. For, I guess for those that don't know, in Injustice 2, you can get gear that has like stats, uh, just like For Honor, if you're playing that right now. Um, I don't think that's going to be actually like, I guess, tournament legal, whatever. It's probably just going to be, you know, default. But when you ask about if there are games that are being designed for esports, 
um, with features or maybe a lack of features. <laughs> I would say that there's two, probably two good examples right now. And I'll start with the one that's coming soon. Tekken 7 is coming soon. And they have made that game, I think, more accessible to people who don't play Tekken or haven't played in a long time. Actually, like myself, I haven't played in a long time. Um, and there's actually really cool just sort of... I, you wouldn't really think about these things, I think, in in other games or just would think that, oh, that's kind of like normal, right? But in fighting games, it's a little different. Um, they have like... A, sort of like a slowdown mode when something cool happens like at the end of the match um, uh, or like someone activates a super and everything slows down and it's really cool. Uh, and you, from like the viewer's perspective, you think that's a small thing, but that's actually a really cool thing. Um, and they're, they, they just made some changes in the game that make it more accessible. But like specifically like Street Fighter V, um, that game pretty, that game has been Capcom focused on esports i think primarily with that game uh from the beginning mm. and for better or worse um that's why it launched in the state that it did and why you know people complained about the lack of features like arcade modes and stuff like that so yeah i mean esports has clearly had an effect on how publishers um look at their games and and i guess market their games uh i think it's still gonna it's still evolving and it will for a while now or for a while because uh it's a slow burn i think for fighting games for other games like dota league it's already huge right but for right. fighting games yeah. it's still eh. so i think it's a slow burn for fighting games okay. i think um the best example i can think of kind of maybe maybe i'm wrong with this again because we are so well unversed with fighting games um but I remember being at PSX when Marvel versus Capcom Infinite was announced. Like the entire oh, yeah. conversation surrounding that was immediately like, why did they make these changes? Is it specifically because of esports? Like it seemed like immediately that was the conversation that people were having with me at the show about that game. Hmm. And because it is so different from MVC3, like they have changed a lot of things going into that game. And a lot of people think it's too, it, did they make it easier? Like, are they trying to make that one more accessible as well? Because I know they've gone back to the two V two style fighting and stuff like that. I, I mean, yes, I think the question, or I think with every game that comes out, every new game that comes out, the goal is to be at least some, at least more accessible than the previous, um, you know, with street fighter four, the game had been out for like eight or nine years marvel 3 i think it's been like five years so the goal is to be more accessible um i actually didn't really think of it from an esports perspective because i did get a chance to talk with some of them and uh like marvel's heavily involved in, sure. in the development of that game i'm sure yeah <laughs> uh not just from like hey here's our characters and stuff but i mean like uh marvel games is is heavily involved what's his name in is it uh bill roseman is that Bill Roseman is yeah. the... I always forget his He's position. He's like the creative director, I think. Yeah, at Marvel Games. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, they want to make sure that there's features. They want to probably... I, I, it sounds like they want to make sure there's a really cool like story mode. Um, but when it comes to like the change of the actual gameplay, uh, I, I like it. I think one of the reasons I do like it is because those games used to be 2v2, like when they first came out. In the arcades? Mm -hmm. Well, X-Men versus Street Fighter was the first versus game. Um, 
I I think it's I think it switched to three v three with Marvel versus Capcom two. Was Children of the No Children of the Atom was one v one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the okay. very first, that was that was the very first Marvel okay fighting Marvel fighting game that Capcom did. Marvel superheroes was after that, and then they went to the the versus games. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily feel like scaling back going two v two is like an esports specific thing. I think it's. Uh, I think they took a similar approach with Street Fighter V where they want to make it more accessible to players. Hopefully they maybe do a better job with that than Street Fighter V. Um, speaking kind of of the, specifically Street Fighter V and then this new Marvel vs. Capcom game, um, I remember at least when Five came out, some I heard some people saying that, and I hear this a lot with specifically sports games like baseball, mm-hmm. Madden, um basketball nba 2k that these should or will eventually go to some sub- sort of subscription model where you're paying you know because those games are just roster updates but i like do you think that fighting kind games of. will ever well yeah mlb the show i think adds more i know you're really into that game logan like yeah. you know way more about it than i do but <laughs> essentially they're roster updates or right. i or maybe it's every other year very small Adam. adjustments on right yeah. so do you think is the difference between the Street Fighter four, five, or the Ultra stuff in the middle? Like, do do fighting games have that in their future, or is, or is should they always be the sixty dollar and or arcade games? Well, so Killer Instinct's probably the best example of a game that used a totally different model. Um, mm-hmm. They, I guess you could say, they kind of went down like the League or Dota route, where they introduced season one. It had um, I can't remember how many characters specifically, but you could uh, buy the game outright or you could play like the characters that were on the free rotation for, I think it was monthly, right? So since then, they've added season two, season three. I think it's been out for three years now. Um, you know, I think it works for them. It's obviously a lot smaller than a lot of other games with Street Fighter Five. Uh, you buy the base game and you pretty much that's all you'll ever need. You can purchase the DLC stuff if you want, the characters and whatnot. Or if you want, you can just earn the fight money in the game and, and buy them that way. Most people are either too lazy or don't want to put that much work in because it is kind of a grind. So they just buy, you know, the season passes or whatever, right? Um, I don't know if you can go like a strict, uh, what would you call it? Like a strict subscription model. Um, if anything, I, I guess if if Riot ever puts out a fighting game, we'll find out because I have a feeling that's exactly what they'll they'll do. Yeah. Um, or they'll make you know they'll make it. It's it's going to be like League, right? You have a bunch of characters and you have a rotation. Or if you maybe want to purchase characters, I don't know. I think Riot's probably if that if that happens, they'll be the closest one to like a, a subscription type game. Gotcha. That's interesting. So. Again, I, I know this whole opening segment is just us picking your brain about a bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. So, what do you do on like a week to or week to week or day to day basis? Because you, so Max and myself, obviously, are trying to write about stuff and break into the industry We're in some way. To, we want to write about video games for money too. Yeah, yeah I think us and half the internet does. Um, so, what do you? So, your your job, since it is so specific with esports, like. How is that different from what you used to do with freelancing and stuff like that, where you used to cover 
because that was the one thing I remember you told me at PSX was to try to find some sort of niche and make sure you are really well versed in that niche of the games industry. And obviously that's worked out incredibly well for you, but how is that like relate to your job on a day-to-day basis? Because I <laughs> write news on weekends for like dual shockers and stuff like that. And I feel like it's so hard sometimes to find news with video games in general that hasn't been exhausted. How much harder is it than with one specific section of the industry? Uh, I'll tell you this. I, I get more sleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so when I was freelancing, I mean, I worked pretty like every day from and when you're a freelancer, you know, if you take days off like you, I, I bet you 90, 99% of the freelancers will will understand this. Like, you know, you feel guilty, right? Because you feel like you should be working. You should be finding uh, some new story or some whatever to get paid, right? So, I mean, I, wor- I worked from the time I woke up, which is early, to the time I went to, uh, went to bed, which was late. Um, freelancing, I mean, I covered everything, right? I wrote news at IGN for 18 months. Um, I pitched features, uh, previews. Actually, the only thing I didn't do, I guess, professionally, really, was, uh, uh, or any, for, at least for any major websites, was reviews. Um, that's a lot of time. And I just didn't think I could really invest that with how much I needed to work to survive. So now having said done said and or done and said all that. Now, I don't think what I do is a lot different from when I was freelancing. Obviously, it's a lot more focused. Um, It's less challenging in that I don't have to constantly search for work, right? Uh, Because jobs dry up constantly. and because I'm covering fighting games only, uh, you know, news and, and things like that that happen uh, tend to be easier to cover. Because uh, I'm, you know, like you said, you, you know, if you're especially if you're only doing news on the weekend, you're looking for things newsworthy, right? And mm-hmm. you know what? Some weekends just nothing happens. Uh, thankfully, tournaments for most esports uh, games and whatnot take place on the weekends. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I do news as the, as it happens. Um, we're trying to beef up our news coverage too, uh, at Yahoo. We're trying to do things that are a little bit more cultural. Um, I guess maybe a best example would be kind of what you see on sites like Kotaku where mm-hmm. it's less like hardcore, you know, I guess gaming stuff and, and cause they still do that, but also some cultural things. So, yeah, I mean, I still do the writing. Um, I do two weekly videos where one sort of a vlog kind of thing um, with a topic, a specific topic each week. Similar to your, I saw your patch notes one the other day. Was that, it was kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, okay. and I try to interact more with, like, uh, community. And then I do the conversations of Fireballs, which is basically like this. You and I are having a, ch- a chat um, and uh, just kind of a relaxed interview. Those things, the writing, coming up with features, I mean, that's all still sort of the same. All, all the writing is like, hey, I just got to come up with some ideas. And you know what? Like, I went through a period recently, uh, maybe January, February, where, and I realized actually that I have gone through this maybe the last two or three years where, uh, you know, you hit your, like, your, your dead zone. Like, nothing's coming to you. Like, you yeah. have no ideas. Nothing's happening. Like, is it, at least in fighting games-wise, really nothing's happening. And, and so I'm just like, I don't know what the hell to do. You just kind of work yourself out of it, right? 
Um, so for that part, not that not much has changed other than, you know, like I do the video stuff, which is different from what I did before. Um, still a lot of work, but yes, I do get to sleep more <laughs> and play more games. <laughs> sleep is important. Yeah. So do you enjoy that side of it a little bit more? I mean, obviously you do play more than just fighting games and I'm right. sure most people probably don't think that of you. Um, yeah, I mean, do you do you miss covering the other stuff at all, or do you I, enjoy? Actually, little... I do. I mean, I, I do miss covering uh, like general game stuff. Um, I think there's sometimes things that there's some cool things that I I could write um, that I don't have a chance to right now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons. For, I mean, we'll probably talk about this later, but that's one of the reasons I went back or went to PAX was because uh, PAX East. Um, because I'd never been, but also, you know, there's a lot of people that I've never met on the East Coast um, that I've worked with even in uh, freelancing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, just sort of being connected to that general games media, uh, I do kind of miss that a little bit. So that kind of leads into PAX, which I know we talked about <laughs> that we were going to bring up before. How was it? Because I really, I really wanted to go. Like that was the one show that I was gonna try to go to and cold it was cold as hell <laughs> i've never been anywhere so cold in my life um it was great i'm glad i went i don't re so that was a weird weekend too because there was pax um the capcom pro tour kicked off mm -hmm. uh that weekend so it's a major tournament there uh, unfortunately i couldn't be there and then actually killer instincts world cup which is yeah. the finale all took place that weekend so there's a lot of fighting game stuff going on. And I'm just like, I'm at PAX, but um, I don't regret going. I met a lot of new people and some people I'd never met before that I worked with. Um, shout out to Alex O'Neill. Of course, I hung out with those guys again. Um, PAX is interesting because I, 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 I've been to the last four PAX Primes, PAX West, whichever you want to call it now. I guess they call it West. Um, and it's one of those things where because it's a fan show, because it's laid back, uh, I've never gotten a ton of work out of it, even as a freelancer. And so I like just sort of hanging out, especially in Seattle at PAX Prime, PAX West, because like everyone would from the industry would come to my hometown, right? So, yeah, they oh, come to you. <laughs> I just want to hang out. Um, so going to PAX East was cool because like, I just I just hung out, um, met people. Like I said, I did play a few games, but generally when I go to when I go to trade events, I don't like waiting in line, so I don't actually don't play a lot of games. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still walk around and you know, of course, the show floor and look at everything. But um, you know, there were some there were some great games there. Indies indie games are always great at PAX. Uh, but I think the best thing was uh, meeting new people. And actually, there were I think three people, three or four people that came up to me or like stopped me as I was walking around uh, that introduced themselves and like, Oh, Hey, I was like, you know, I'm like, do I, do I know you? Cause like, I feel bad if I, if someone's yeah. like, Oh, you know, if I met someone and I don't remember. Um, and they're like, no, but I just wanted to tell you, you know, like I'm a big fan of your work, whatever. And I'm just like, Holy, like I'm at PAX, right? I'm not even in, I'm not at a fighting game event uh -huh. where most people know me by now I'm at PAX. And there's these guys there that, you know, recognize me and, and you know tell me how much they like my work and so i it i can't tell you how how good that makes me feel and like how humble i feel when people do that or when people come up to me at psx and talk to me <laughs> yeah your your raving fanboys come up ask for your autographs and their silly little cubs hats and you know yeah yeah but no it was great and it was cold as hell but uh 
I left Monday evening, so I, Monday during the day I had a chance to walk around because because it was still cold, but it was sunny, so wow. uh, that was cool. There you go. I I think I'm going to try to go to Pax West, and um, I will be there. I would like I would like to go to that one. So Actually, I, I, like, is, is it worth yeah. is it worth going to though? Like for sure. I I love it. Um, it's very. Have you been to PAX East? I ha- I haven't been to any of the PAXs, okay. no. And I'm planning. So currently this year, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to E3, and then um, so you're, I'm, I'm going to try go to swing PAX as well. I have friends up in Seattle, so I think they're going to let me crash at my place. So oh, that makes well, it a little PSX. So um, yeah, PSX. I would say it's more like PSX. If you go to E3, uh, it's good. PAX is more like PSX than it is like E3. Um, because it's more of a fan-friendly show, it's less of a, uh, especially PAX Prime, PAX West, because it's it's so late in the year. None of like the there's no big announcements, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everything's sort of been played out through everything that's going to launch, like in the holiday season. Um, is it worth it? Absolutely. I think that PAX Prime, PAX West is four days now. I keep calling it. It's my habit calling it PAX Prime. Um, I, I still think of it like that too. It's four days, so. Uh, it's huge. Plenty of people show up. Uh, I love going to it. Um, I absolutely think it's worth it. And as a freelancer, there's still work that you can get out of it too. Like if you go uh, as a freelancer, you can pitch work. There's plenty of, I see people all the time that are like, hey, you know, we need, I I got, was it two years ago? Uh, PC Gamer asked me to do a couple things for them. Um, Just sort of, well, I saw them tweet about it. I'm like, hey, I'm going like, yeah, you want to check out these panels for us? Sure, whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's totally worth it. And you know, it's, it's similar to PSX if, uh, if that gives you like any indication. So PSX was actually my first game show. I had never been to any of them before then. So that was very fan friendly. It was, it was pretty eye opening in a lot of ways for me because I really didn't know what to expect. Like I had a press pass for it. I was like, Oh, I'm sure this will be able to get me anywhere. No, not really. (laughs) And I saw, um, What's his name? Is it Seth Macy? I saw him say the same thing about before going to PAX East. Like, hey, your press pass really doesn't mean anything. So expect that now. At PAX, you get in one hour early on the first day, and you get access to uh, their media room. That's it. That's that's a little bit. I see. I we tried to get into the PSX media room, and we got there, and they're like, nope, sorry. I was like, well, (sighs) we're press, and they're like, no, you're not like press press though. I was like. All right, cool. See you later. You, so oh, that was that like but that room they had back tucked tucked in like that back left corner or whatever. Yeah. I couldn't even get into that. Yeah. That was like that was like press VIP. Yeah, that was like Yeah, I, you guys like had the the A ticket and then there's the B ticket yeah, and the, I couldn't even the VIP was I was, the e who was I? I was talking to uh Jeff Keeley because I was standing mm-hmm. in line next to him for that and we and we were both waiting and of course Jeff, he gets in because Jeff, he's Jeff Keeley Jeff just and then I'm like oh yeah let me in too and they're like no you can't get in <laughs> see you guys. but hey I'm friends with Jeff Keeley didn't you just see me talking to him yeah so that was a little Come on, Jeff strange. let me in yeah that, but, but yeah I I, I'm, I'm enjoying the conventions I'm looking forward to seeing what E3's like I've wanted to do that I've never been forever are you planning I'm, on going uh, it's actually a discussion I need to have because I don't think that I can go like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, it's like five days or whatever. It if really, you count like all the, the, it's like, if you count, it's like, if you count it's like a week long event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole week essentially. Um, but, uh, I would, there's some things that I'm expecting to be there that I would love to check out. So 
know, hard to say at this point, but I'm thinking about it. Well, if you do, we'll try to meet up or something yeah. there. I, I assume I'm going at this point. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a good shot that I am going. I'm saving money to do so. But. Fly into LAX and they turn you right back around. Yeah. What are you doing here? You're no. Go home. You're not real um, press. Go home. I think I would be more real press that time. Hopefully, but we'll see when we get there. Um, TSA is like, you're not real press. Turn around. TSA. Oh, the TSA. TSA. TSA last time I went to LAX was really cool because we had a bunch of swag that we had gotten from. Oh my gosh, I remember this. Uh, that we had gotten from PSX. And one of them were like bottle openers that were shaped like bullet casings. Like 50 caliber like, sniper like bullets. Like 50 caliber sniper rifles. And I, 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 I forgot that I had had them in my bag. Oh boy. And he obviously pulled them out. But he saw, I had him tucked in a PlayStation bag and he just looked at me and said, did you go? And I said, yeah. And he said, was it awesome? I said, yeah, it was really good. And he's like, all right, then just here you go. <laughs> and he yeah. gave me everything back and that was the end of it. And then Logan <laughs> used the 50 caliber bullet to blow a hole in the airplane. And Yeah, please, please don't kill me, FBI, who's listening to this yes. right now. Okay. Well, they're listening through your microwave. So, yes. Um, I know I had uh, specifically, I don't know how many more questions Logan had, but I did want to ask you um, mm -hmm. about Street Fighter specifically, because I've, uh, Street Fighter is always, I think it's fair to say it's part of pop culture, at least, you know, like mm -hmm. people know what Street Fighter is. Uh, I mean, for Pete's sake, Ryu was in uh, the new Smash Brothers game. Um, and there's, there's a couple of things I had, it's, I wanted to ask about Street Fighter. It's sad that the Smash Brothers game is the best current version of Ryu right now. <laughs> <laughs> is that so? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, the one thing that has always kept me away from fighting games, uh, outside of an arcade, like sometimes when I see it in an arcade, I'll just be like, oh, yeah, sure, here's 50 cents or a dollar or whatever. I'll play, you know, a few rounds of Tekken or whatever. One thing that always throws me for a loop is the like input combos um to do things like it always mm -hmm. seems like you got to go diagonal and then to the side like is that much more fluid when you're doing it because it just i don't know it seems very cumbersome or not intuitive like i that's you something i need a fight stick well yeah like in an arcade though like a, you know I, I would be in an arcade when i would try to do this kind of stuff you know not doing it with a, a gamepad so if I'm understanding the question correctly, it's it's mostly about the I guess the execution yeah, of these like things. How to execute these, yeah. Like, <laughs> so Max's question is I'm bad at fighting games. How do we fight. fix that? Well it's always no, you see too, all those so. you see all those at least I do, you know, when you walk up on the arcade cabinet and it shows you well, this right. is how you do this, this is how you do this, and that always just seems I'm just gonna hit buttons and then obviously that translates to not doing very So well. yeah, I mean I think this is actually a a discussion um, I had at PAX with the guys making David Serlin and I, I apologize, David, because I don't know what your I can't remember what your studio is called, but the guys making Fantasy Strike, which is a fighting game similar to Rising Thunder, um, in that it has like just button inputs. You don't have like you know fireball, dragon punch motions, things like that. Um. I, you know, the idea that you can kind of make a game accessible by making it more simple uh, is sort of 
in in the fighting game community, it's sort of like uh, that works. Maybe that works for some people. Maybe it doesn't for others. Dive Kick's a pretty good a pretty good example That's of what I was thinking of, yeah. of a game that uh, I think worked out in making a game more accessible with pretty simple mm-hmm. mechanics. Um, I think specifically to your question, what you're looking at is uh, sort of like a hey. If someone plays this fighting game and they're interested in the in getting better or interested in um, learning the different move sets and execution, uh, it's sort of our mentality is if they're if they're interested in that, they'll they'll work on it and they'll get better or they'll figure out you know what are some ways to do that. Okay. Um, you know, there's one of the things, especially as you get older, like myself, like I. I'm I'm older. I have jobs. I have kids. I don't have time to spend you know twelve hours a day playing fighting games. Right? Um, it it becomes harder to memorize everything. That's why, for me, you know, <laughs> one of the if you want to be great at a fighting game, one of the first things you should do is go play every single character and learn the ins and outs of every single character. You don't have to be good with each one, but you should at least be able to invest that time. I can't do that. Like I got to invest in like one character, and that's it. That's all I have time for. That's all my right now. My brain can only handle, you know, so much like moves, sets, and like matchups with other characters. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I think there's always been a barrier of entry to fighting games, and I think there will always be a barrier of entry into fighting games. And I think that is why um, it has not grown as an esport as quickly as other games, um, because. I think when you look at like League and Dota and, and games like those, yes, there are plenty, there are millions of people that play these games, but um, there are people who also just want to watch. Um, and I think with fighting games, most of us are people that watch and participate. I would say 99% of us uh, are people that watch and participate in fighting games. So um, yeah, that whole execution, and even if it's as simple as like doing the motions, um, it's you know it's a barrier of entry that I don't know if we've ever really quite figured out how to get past that. Okay, so how does that? I wanted to use that to kind of translate into we talked about it before the show. Ultra, I think the title is Ultra Street Fighter Two: The Final <laughs> Challenger. Is that right? For the uh, <laughs> I think so. for the Switch, which is yeah. a I guess an HD remaster of Ultra Street Fighter Two, but it also has all the original graphic. I think it's just a recreation of the game. Right. Um, and they show people like using sideways joy cons and stuff, but I'm, you're, you're a street fighter fan. I think that's your, your big primo fighting game based off the posters in the background and other things. Mm-hmm. So I was curious on your take on ultra, the, the street fighter for switch and just like what you thought about it and it, so what it looks like so far. I haven't played it. Um, I, I don't have a switch. Uh, I would, I, I think that if that game were to have been released on, you know, obviously multiple consoles, uh, I'd be totally interested in checking it out. Not at a $40 price tag though. Mm. Um, I think that, I mean, to be honest, that's my biggest concern about that game is just like, you're paying $40. For, I, I know it's a physical release, but you're paying $40 for basically what should be a 10 or $20 game. I mean, it's 10 bucks. HD Remix is 10 bucks everywhere else right now. Uh, aside from that, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, great. So yet another Street Fighter 2. A couple new characters that weren't in Street Fighter 2. Some weird modes that I'll never touch, like the whole first person thing. 
Um, but one of the things I felt I felt was most interesting was they rebalanced the game. And I like that idea, but then they did make some pretty drastic changes to Street Fighter 2 specifically. Uh, in, in Street Fighter 2, this is getting a little uh, in the weeds, but in Street Fighter 2, you used to be able to tech a throw so that it would do less damage, um, not to completely get out of a throw. Uh, now, in, in current Street Fighter games, you can tech a throw and you'll get out of the throw completely. Well, they actually added that into Ultra Street Fighter 2, which for, for a lot of characters completely changes how you play the game because there are characters in Street Fighter 2 Super Turbo that their whole strategy is is based around throwing. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm not sure how much I would like it, but uh, I would definitely love to, to check it out. Um, as a whole, I don't mind that they do these games. I don't mind that they do these re-releases. Um, it's weird that it's $40, uh, and I really don't feel like there's any sort of eSports connection with this game um uh it seems like they're trying to cash in on nostalgia in a sort of way which i'm i, I mean it, there's always gonna be that i mean yeah you know, to be honest, street fighter 4 before street fighter 4 came out uh hd remix came out i think a year before it and i mean that was a total nostalgia cash in although that game was really good i mean a lot of <laughs> yeah. people played it uh not saying that ultra street fighter 2 is bad because i haven't actually seen it yet but um, you know, HD Remix and then Street Fighter 4 was totally cashing in on, on Nostalgia 2. Uh, this year's the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter. The, the, the very first Street Fighter came out 30 years ago. Uh, so I get that. But, you know, it's an exclusive on Switch. It's a little expensive, and there's a lot of changes in the game that if you're cashing in on Nostalgia... If you're gonna, you're gonna have the hardcore guys that are gonna, like I mentioned, those changes. The hardcore mm-hmm. guys are gonna be like, "Whoa, I'll stick to just playing my my super gun arcade, you know, with like the original, blah blah blah, whatever." <laughs> I think the forty dollar price tag is like a bigger problem with the Switch as a whole because I know um, the Binding of Isaac Rebirth came out this past week and that was forty dollars as well. I got that game for free through PS Plus like six months ago. Um, I mean. I have that game on everything else too. And yeah, as much as I'd love to play like a cool update, Enter the Gungeon is going to be the same thing, right? Like yeah. I love that game, but I'm like 40. There's something else I know that uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris, when that comes out, I think is going to be 40 on Switch, even though it's going to be like 20 or 25 on it's, PS4. Uh, it's 30 on PS4, at least physically. Um, on Amazon, it's 30 for Puyo Puyo Tetris for PS4 and 40 on Switch. It doesn't... Um, it's 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 they they have a problem with that and i i don't i don't know i feel like it's similar to psvr in some ways which but even though i understand psvr's pricing strategy because the games are a bit harder to develop for and they're certainly more expensive to develop for yeah they're more expensive to develop for like i can't imagine a ton went into ultra street fighter like those changes i'm sure took some took some work but i don't know forty dollars is a really odd yeah it's it's a steep steep price tag at least for me, anyway. Mm. It's yeah. It's I mean, see, that's the thing is like I'm hungry for games on my Switch right now, <laughs> and there is. I can't actually imagine I, you being hungry for a game on your Switch right now. You're I mean, only playing Z- Zelda still. If you were true. done with Zelda, like my friend, my friend Landon just finished Zelda, and he's once he beats a game, he's usually pretty done. So I think he's like going to get some shrines, and then he's he's calling it quits, and he's already looking for his next game. And I'm like, eh. 
He's like, I want Bomberman. I was like, eh, I heard that was a okay. I would I'd get Mario Kart instead. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. Eh. Yeah, it's up to him though. So this has obviously been a very different episode up until this point. Normally we do news and topics and all that good stuff. Um, addressing you, the listener, for a moment. Really, no news this week. There's a couple pieces of it that we might touch on here in a few moments, um, but we're going to kind of dive into them and look at them more from a topical standpoint and uh more analytical with the news um so really nothing else this week um i've enjoyed talking to you though michael about everything you do because i again i i feel like we are so unversed with that side of the industry and that's the only the only fighting thing i know is smash brothers melee and that's i don't know how (laughs) how much even you're into that but i so i do cover a little bit of smash um just because like by default uh no one else does uh i don't i'm not in as embedded in that scene so sometimes it feels a little awkward for me um but i kind of look at it as like well like covering general game stuff you have to cover stuff that you either don't know or don't like all the time right and when it comes to smash i'm just kind of like well i just approach it like i don't know anything about smash really and i'm just sort of learning uh but some of it is so similar to covering, I'll say, traditional fighting games because you know there's always the argument: is Smash a fighting game or not? Yes, it is. It's fine. It's it's fighting games. It's esports. We're all we're all in the same boat, right? Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I I I like covering. Um, I mean, I like talking to people. So there's interesting stories in Smash, just like there's interesting stories in other esports. I just don't happen to, you know, I don't have to worry about the other esports because we have people for those esports. There you go. <laughs> I think that's probably the coolest part to, of esports to me as like a bystander who's kind of watching it from afar. I, I'm so ingrained in sports sports, like actual, mm-hmm. I don't want to say actual sports because I know that'll ignite an internet war. Tra- um, traditional sports is what traditional I... Traditional sports, yeah. there we go. I'm so invested in those and I, I like watching the storylines and seeing the athletes and stuff i like the personal storylines between the athletes and things like that like mm-hmm. th- those are what interests me and i see a lot of that kind of happening in esports now and I, mm-hmm. I i think that's cool to watch from afar again i have no idea what's going on in a league game though half the time when i'm watching it and when i watch street fighter i have no idea what the technical terms they are use they're using are um i'm sure it's the same for a lot of people with like when they but, try to watch a football game or something like that like what is holding but when you watch what street is- fighter it's simple there's two characters usually <laughs> and there's two life bars yeah easy yeah, League, Dota. I don't know what's going on. I have is a huge Dota player, and so like I, I hear him playing his games in there all the time. And I have another best friend who um, he plays League. So like I've played two games of Dota and two games of League. I feel like I get the gist, but there's so much going on in those games. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So, I think that side of the industry is cool. I'd like to get into it more. I don't really know how to do that in some respects and i don't know if i have the time commitment to and others like i don't know like i <laughs> i think i think i'll get my sports fix from traditional sports still and i don't from know. a from a coverage standpoint um i think it's just like anything else if, if if you take an interest in it you you know you do some research whatever you get involved then it just uh because like we earlier we talked about finding your niche Niche, 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 um, niche, niche, uh, and that was some advice that I saw a lot 
early on when I started. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's one of those things that's just like, all right, how do you do it? Like, I mean, I know what I like, but how do you turn what you like sort of into, I guess, your job, right? Um, luckily for me, fighting games was just <laughs> sort of becoming an esport, or at least a a more popular esport. And uh, I managed to, I guess, sort of get in on, on the ground floor with that, right? But mm-hmm. it's it's really just one of those things that if there's things that you like and you can find the interesting stories and then sort of become, I guess, that expert, right? Because um, you can do it in general games too. Uh, for a while, it was indie games, right? Like everything was indie games, indie games, this, that, whatever. Um, and now it's esports, so it's hard to say what like the next thing will be. But I think esports has become large enough that there's still room to find uh, a niche, even within you know within the umbrella, the broad umbrella of esports, right? Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, everyone's got a website now. Kotaku's got a uh, an esports website. That's now. like the most common thing I see between like most of the big games media sites is they're all looking to hire, but they're looking to specifically to hire esports writers. It yeah. seems like so. Yeah. It's too yeah. bad I don't know more about those those avenues of the industry. I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I guess transitioning to what we'll do for the latter half of the episode, Max. How long have we been recording? By the way, out of curiosity. Um, about 50 minutes. Okay. Um, cause I didn't want to keep Michael for too long. Um, so I guess transition. I thought we were doing this for 24 hours. Oh yeah, that's that's true. This um, is our, uh, this is our charity stream for extra life. Oh, wow. We're a little early and we didn't announce it or promote anything (laughs) at all. Please, please donate down below. I I don't know. Don't don't donate down below is, but don't donate. Sorry, children. We did not raise any money for you. (laughs) Zero, zero funds. Um, that, that, that's what we'll call it. The zero funds charity. Oh my gosh. Um, Now now we have a fake charity that we're trying to, I will give you two Singapore bucks. (laughs) Who the heck is that guy on the bill? I don't know. The president of Singapore. He's got a cool mustache. He is the chairman monetary authority of Singapore. Wow. wow. Dang. He looks kind of cool. I don't know. Um, So the second half of our episode, we're going to do topics, I guess, sort of. Very weird transition this week, I guess. Um, Max, Come on, did you Logan, have a be better topic? at your job. Did you have a topic this week, Max? I don't even know if there was anything specifically you wanted to talk about because I know Michael and myself have topics that we're going to bring up here. No, what about I don't you? have anything specific. Then, Michael, we'll start with you. Um, I know you wanted to talk about Mass Effect, which was kind of newsworthy, but I also didn't want to say it was <laughs> actual news, everything that's been happening with that game this past week. But I would, I would say it's news. <laughs> Um, like if I was if I was working if I was freelancing news at IGN right now I'd probably be, there would be news stories written about it. <laughs> it's it's hard because I I do agree with you I think it is newsworthy in some respects but I we don't to, want I, it to I, be newsworthy. I I want to I want to play the game so yeah. that I can make my own judgments before I. You write technically off these. could play the game if you had EA access. That's true. I've just kind of been waiting. I've thought of it though the past few days. Um, so, what did you want to talk about specifically with the whole? Oh, we're not even taking a break. Animation gate. Uh, nah, we'll just keep going this week. <laughs> oh darn it! I was planning on a break. Dang we'll just it! Keep going. Ugh, you're killing me, man. You you're... pooped. You you pooped before the show, Max. That's not what it was that. about. It was about other stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, Mass Effect, Michael. We have advertisers that need to pay. We need to pay the bills. Gosh, don't uh, you know? One eight hundred flowers dot com and so. 
specifically, I guess this is less about Mass Effect. It's just because Mass Effect is the in in the news currently. Mm-hmm. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda, the whole uh, um, the animations thing, which to be honest with you, I've seen some of the gifs and they're hilarious. They're pretty, it's pretty funny. funny. I kind of I kind of want to see this this game because I'm like, is it really going to ship like this? <laughs> <laughs> It, but, it's pretty funny. But um, what isn't funny, of course, is um, people being shitty on the internet. Oh my and gosh, it's disgusting. It's, you know, I don't want to turn this whole thing into like the whole GG thing. Uh, I don't even want to say it. Uh, say say it out loud. I thought um, you meant good game there for a second. Yeah, like, <laughs> you'll, 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 uh, give it, you'll give it power. It's like Voldemort or something. Yeah, it's it's just like everyone's so toxic. Not everyone. People are so toxic and i'm sure it's probably a minority in gaming communities but it's always the loudest right and you have vocal. yeah very vocal and you have people that uh like one guy in particular writes a, a news story or whatever about it and uh posts you know the social media feeds of like this person who claimed to be the lead animation um editor or whatever of the game and it turns out maybe that's not true uh, but of course it's like the internet it's like a dog with a bone right the internet takes a bite and just won't they won't let go and i think one of the reasons this stands out to me is because working as a freelancer and seeing i worked through a lot of the that period when um people games media not just developers games media developers everyone was being harassed targeted and harassed and and whatnot and so I've seen people that I know or are close to me that have been affected by stuff like that. And I mean, people are just so vile and they don't care. Like they, that's the thing that gets me. It's like, they just don't care. There's like no humanity <laughs> in some of these people. I specifically haven't been targeted by, I guess what I would call anything like that hateful. Um, I have people that quite frankly don't like me and you know, they, they they've come after me. They, at, they you let know, you know, they don't like you. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Like, you know, I, I, I guess I deal with that, but, uh, street fighter five specifically, it's, it's gotten to the point where even that has affected like my work and like how I cover both the game and, you know, as an esport, right? Yeah. Uh, there's so much negative, there has been so much negativity around it. Um, whether it's, it's warranted or not like look i'll be the first to tell you i love street fighter 5 that game launched in a bad way and capcom knows it um there are things that they still could do to improve uh you know just the game and the outlook overall but everything's just become so negative that it it has affected like even how i cover uh the game uh or the scene and you know, I'm over here trying to find, and I think this was also that January, February funk I was telling you about. Like, I'm yeah. over here trying to find ways, like, how can I talk about this game in a more positive way or just talk about things in general more positively instead of just constantly harping on the same negative topics over and over? Like, I'm not saying those things shouldn't be talked about, uh, but we just keep hammering on the same stuff. And it's to me, it's very toxic and... Uh, both as someone who's worked with and has friends uh, in these industries, it's it's hard to watch because we're all here because we love games, right? 
Yeah. You guys started a podcast, I assume, because you loved video games. You thought, hey, we should <laughs> we should buy a couple mics and just talk about video games, right? Um, you want to write about videos because you're like, hey, I like video games and I kind of want to write. It'd be kind of nice to be paid to write about video games, but I kind of want to write about video games, right? I mean, that's exactly why I started doing what I did. Surprisingly, I feel like there are some people on the in, in the games media side of things who are who are so negative themselves, and it's like, do you even enjoy this? Like, I don't understand why you're in this if you're not here to have fun with this. Yeah. And like, kind of going off of what you said, like, how do you like talk about things in a more positive way? I think that's why I've enjoyed the like games culture pieces a little bit more lately, like mm-hmm. the stuff that Kotaku or Waypoint's been doing a, a lot more of it lately too, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah. let's look at this one specific thing that like. This guy wanted to play this game. I, I know there was one recently, like some some guy wanted to play a certain game before he died or something like that. That was that was Breath of the Wild, yeah. Well, was uh, that Breath of the Wild? That so that was Clepic, that, yeah. That, that was, was a cool piece. Um, that was a movie. One. Even just the random things, like, hey, check out what this guy did in this game. I bet you've never seen this before. Like that's yeah. cool to me. But at the same time, it's like, well, is that newsworthy or is it not? Like, oh, hey, this random dude did this thing in a game. Like that's not really inherently newsworthy. But at the same time, it almost should be because we all play games and we all know what like articles like that are referring to at the same time. So we, it's like we're in on the joke. So we understand what they're talking about. So while any other Avenue may not consider it newsworthy, like we get it. So I, I I like that people have started covering that stuff a little bit more lately. Uh, Yeah. I just feel like the outrage culture. Yes, there's outrage culture. It sucks. And then the idea of just like dogpiling, whether it's a, yeah. a media person or a developer. Um, and it just gets to the point where, you know, I'm over here thinking if I ever get to the point where I have a family, I have two small kids, you know, sometimes I think about when I stream stuff, I'm like, you know, there's someone who could probably do some of the dumb things that, you know, other people have experienced, uh, you know, doxing, swatting, all that stuff. Um, and, and, and I mean, is it likely to happen to me? Probably not, but I mean, that's just the reality that we live in now. And I think it's becoming so common that when we see a story like that, it's like, oh, well, here we go again. Right. And it shouldn't be like that. It's terrible. It really specifically kind of tying back to mass effect. What really bums me out the most about all this kind of outlash toward this person who was may or may not have been this lead animator or whatever on the game is the fact that a very tiny group of a small group of people have this game it's the press and anyone with ea access (laughs) yeah and kind of like assassin's creed unity with that one face guy where he had no face it was just his eyes and muscles and stuff which happened like one percent right exactly and now this might be a bigger pool and this is a very big game i know games like fallout have Mm -hmm. really janky animations because those games are so big and then frankly at least with fallout 4 bethesda should work on their engine a little more but you know this game is huge and it's a Mm -hmm. huge multi-million dollar game not everything's going to be perfect the animations in the witcher 3 weren't perfect not all of them um not even all the animations in breath of the wild are perfect i mean they're both wonderful magnificent games and i'm sure mass effect is going to be just fine um the embargo lifts tonight for the reviews and we're gonna you know is one or a few, a handful of janky animations that are frankly quite goofy to look at <laughs> going to bring down the story, the experience and the yeah. gameplay, all the stuff that people care about in this game. 
And is it really worth, you know, Mass Effect's not going to be a perfect game. A bunch of games are not, per- there's no perfect game. And right. especially on a scale this big, the anim- even outside of games, look at Rogue One. The animations they used for Tarkin were like in that uncanny valley and they weren't perfect and they were just mm. slightly off. And the movie went on and made millions of dollars and it has its own problems. Nothing is going to be perfect. And this one lady isn't responsible for it. And there's sure i mean because how many how many hundreds of people touch that game on that game yeah and how many different factors does animation just have to go through not only that but the animation has to be programmed and then it all has to work together with the gameplay and then there has to be bugs like it's all it has to trickle through all this stuff and it's so pointless and if you think that your enjoyment of the mass effect franchise which could be great or not hinges on the facial animations of a character in a cutscene you probably shouldn't be playing mass effect <laughs> like it's like what it sounds so dumb and pointless the only thing i'll say in response to that is that i don't think we should necessarily accept that um I, I, that's probably the wrong a, that, that's probably the wrong wording if we it probably, is a we widespread be, issue if yeah. everyone has this problem then that's something that can be addressed in a in a, a patch or you know Maybe. it'll be talked about but if it's just this hand if it's just a handful of people just being super loud i don't see a big deal with it and that's my problem and kind of i know we're getting away from the outrage point of it here and more talking about just the animations as a whole but this is my problem with the internet in the age of memes everything's a meme now it seems like yeah. and a week before this game's even out it seems like everybody's mind has already been made up about mass effect one way or the other just because there is some really stupid videos on the internet right now and they're funny like they are legitimately really funny but it, it seems like the narrative for this game has already been established before it's even out. And that's what that's what's led to everybody jumping on this one lady, which did she even work on the game? That was the thing I couldn't figure out. Was she a former uh, Bioware employee or did she just not even work there at all? It's hard to say because the last I saw um, Bioware says she's I actually I can't, I can't remember they had that tweet. I'll, I'll look up that tweet. I'm I, I've got the Kotaku article was, up. Uh, not the lead animator, for... right? So it's in past tense. I mean, that could be as simple as like, "Hey, she worked for them up until this game was almost ready for launch," right? Because that really common thing. Common, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the the core argument there is she probably wasn't the lead animator, or whatever I, the title was that she had on her social media, um, because she did have that on her like on her Twitter profile. It was like lead animation for Mass Effect Andromeda or something like that. <laughs> Um, but my question then becomes, I mean, was she like the programmer? Maybe she was actually the, cause she's a cosplayer. I don't know. Maybe she was actually the, the, what do you call it? The model, you know, like for the, yeah. the, the model itself. I, I, I don't know. Like, and maybe she misunderstood what her, her job title or duty was. I, don't I was going to say, and, and maybe I'm wrong with this, but when you're in those lead roles, aren't you more of kind of like a supervisor of everybody else's work rather than like, Usually. I'm in the, I'm in the trenches specifically doing every at facet of this, of the animation. You're not the only person yeah. doing that one particular job. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. The official statement from Bioware was recently a former EA employee was misidentified as the lead member of the Mass Effect Andromeda development team. These reports are false. We respect the opinions of our players and community and welcome feedback on our games, but attacking individuals, regardless of their involvement in the project, is never acceptable. 
And that so was she worked from for Aaron EA. Fuller. She didn't even work for Bioware, Bioware is she what it was, sounds like. And that was the general manager of Bioware, Aaron Flynn. Aaron Flynn, yeah. So it's ridiculous. It's dumb. It's so disheartening. Stop harassing people. I'm doing like the whole Twitter meme thing with oh, the clapping. The clap, the clap, the clap in between each word. harassing people because video games. Video games are stupid anyways. Like we love them, but come on. Video games are dumb. Just that's, why I, that's why I love them. They exactly. are inherently really stupid. I can, <laughs> I can freeze time on a boulder in Zelda, hit it with a giant hammer, then climb on the rock and fly across the map to hit this little goblin guy with a with a branch that that's a video that's the thing i can do in a video it's pointless it doesn't matter in the grand scheme it's certainly when it comes to a person's just the behavior toward another person and their their well-being and just being nice to other people that scale video games way down here human beings way up here it should be stated that this isn't only a video games problem like this is all it's, this is pretty much everything at this it's point. Become like, like an internet problem at this but, point. But when you do things creative, um, I used to be huge into comics, so I hung out on a lot of comics me- uh, websites and message boards and things like that. And comic fan, comic book fandom is just as rabid. Um, you oh know, my God, you were ruined, Batman. I mean, <sighs> women have it rough in uh women writers artists whatever in comic books have it rough um just as they do in in a lot of other mediums so yeah uh it's not just a video games thing but it's like dude video games are dumb and that's why we love them i cover a video game where like two virtual people or whatever punch the shit out of each other or a car or a car (laughs) or I don't know, a vampire or a dinosaur. I don't know. It's ridiculous. But I mean, that's why we love games. Like there are escape and to, I guess, get so serious. Like, like we have um, to this point, it's, I, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So stop it. Stop <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to tweet that out after we're done. Right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess last thing on Mass Effect. I'm excited to play it this week. Stuff like, are you are you getting it this week, Michael, or what are you? I don't know where you're at with what you're playing uh, right now or anything. Yeah, like that. Like because I went to PAX, I missed out on a lot of those releases around that time. Um, I'm actually just wrapping up Resident Evil Seven. I have Neo, uh, okay, on PS4, which yeah. I wanted to start, but I'm hoping actually to do that, and I'm just gonna pick up Breath of the Wild on Wii U. Um, I was actually, while we were talking about it, I was thinking about what if Andromeda had come out the same week as Breath of the Wild and Horizon? Kill me. Like, what if all <laughs> those games came out at the same time? Oh, believe it's still rough because people are still playing Zelda and Horizon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And not only does Mass Effect come out the next week, Persona 5 comes out. Yeah. It's nasty. Jason Schreier says he's put over 200 hours into Persona 5 what the you're, for, you're forgetting mlb the show as well don't, oh, don't forget about that one. i'm so sorry for forgetting <laughs> it's got king griffey jr game on the cover the, right that's that's right it does have king griffey jr on the, the cover. biggest game so, yeah. of the season i'm sorry i forgot it it's a, a big game there's no doubt about it it's just the baseball season mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm really i'm thinking about like pre-ordering the hundred dollar version of that game in which case somebody needs to hit me over a hammer if i do that can but, i hit you over with a baseball bat 
Because that's that a little more too. fitting. That's that yeah. fits with the theme. <laughs> hey, I'm um, I'm still trying to figure out a way to keep my persona pre-order, but I like I, the more I look at it, it's like it's driving me crazy. Do I have that pre-ordered? I can't remember. I don't pre-order games usually, so when I, I do, it's rare, and then I forget. <laughs> I have the I have the collector's edition pre-ordered, which is the, why I have it pre-ordered, and I'm trying to think like how can I keep this? And I'm, I can't. No, nah, you, you shouldn't. You got a wedding. <laughs> Um, quick aside, Michael, how are you enjoying Resident Evil 7? Because I've been dying to talk to somebody about that game. I like it. I have played... I do have Persona pre-ordered. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I... Of course, I've played... uh, Actually, I've played all of them except four. Um, Four is the one? That's actually the only one I haven't played. Uh, I've never played four, so... I've completed... Yeah, I beat one. uh, Two and three, I never finished uh actually i beat code veronica also and then five and six i played through so the direction that they went with resident evil is kind of strange because they wanted the whole like hey we want it to be more action like call of duty right yeah which is not resident evil right so uh i don't mind the first person change i love how the seven is a lot more like resident evil one um i think i'm getting close to the end i had if anyone's played through it i just got past the or i'm in the wrecked ship portion of the game okay uh and yeah i mean boat? i just yeah, there is there is a ship and i'm still unsure why it's there i'm hoping it's explained but i might have to do some googling uh um they piece it together so okay what well okay uh sort of <laughs> actually the only the only thing that i think is kind of weird about it is it still sort of follows the, the what the previous games, the trend of the previous games is like, you, you know, Resident Evil used to be zombies, right? Uh-huh. Then now it's like every, I don't know, everything's a biological weapon and there's like these weird monster things. Um, so I think some of the enemies in the game are kind of like, uh, it does actually take me out of it a little bit. Like, like, like these things don't really belong here but whatever um but overall i think it's really well done i'm glad that it didn't sell quite as much as i think they had hoped it would but it sold pretty well it sold really yeah it did sell really well it just wasn't i don't know what they were expecting like this typical i mean this is typical capcom this is a typical japanese um publisher that same thing happened with like the Square games a few years ago. I mean, this is why we don't have a Sleeping Dogs too. Sleeping Dogs sold 1.5 million copies, something like that, which for, for a lot of games is a lot. Yeah. But for Sleeping Dogs, they wanted like three or four million. Um, the first Tomb Raider, they expected to sell like, I don't know, you know, whatever it was, five, six, seven, eight million. It didn't hit that mark, although it did really well. And uh, what was the other one? Uh Deus Ex, they've kind of jumped to Deus Ex. I mean, all those games, all those games performed well under their expectations. Like they expected to sell twice what those games sold. But the problem is, is those games sold really well, like 1.5, 3 million, you know, 5 million, whatever it is. Um, it's just their expectations are too weird. Same thing with uh, even Street Fighter V. 1.5 million copies. They probably expected to sell 3 to 5 million and they didn't even get close. <laughs> And and Resident Evil Seven was similar. They I think they sold two point five the last number I saw, and then you know their num- they expected like five six million because I think they I think they wanted to hit like eight within a year or something because like yeah because five and six had sold as bad as they were had st- still sold pretty well 
Um, and so they kind of expected, uh, I guess, I don't know, at least similar or more. But yeah, I, I mean, like it a lot. It's good. I, I, I liked it a lot too. As somebody who's played all of them, like I was really happy with it. But yeah, Even Operation Raccoon City. No, not that one. I I haven't I played I bad. haven't played a lot of the offshoot ones. So that is bad. It's very bad. That is it looked, you, really, it looked really bad. I have every achievement in that game. Why? And it's bad. <laughs> Why? Did so you he, play it co-op at least, I would hope? Um cuz that was the co-op one, right? Yeah, I can't remember if there were co-op specific achievements, but I do have every achievement in that game. <laughs> Are you an achievement hunter then? Not, person? not nearly as bad as I used to be. I'm still very much caught up in it. But I, if a game comes out on multiple consoles, I will play it on Xbox for achievements. Really? Yeah, You're, that's my... I'm like that with PlayStation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like it's that investment, right? If you if I had done trophies to start off with, then I would it, it, I'd be playing yeah. everything on PlayStation. What's um, your gamer score at then, for reference? I'm looking right now, 152,495. I'm at like 90,000 at this point. I but think I've been I'm there for at a like a thousand. <laughs> I just got um, my I got an Xbox One a year ago, and like I I just play exclusives on it, and I don't even really achievement hunt. What was the last game that I've completed? I feel like the last game I completed might have been Far Cry Primal. I still really want to play that game. Like I, I like think of that game all the time, and I don't know why. I got really close on Titanfall. That was the last one I almost got everything on. It. Titanfall two? 2? Yeah, sorry. The only one I don't have is that, that beat the timer uh, in the trial thing. It's worth like 5 or 15 Gs, 15. so I'm not yeah, going I'm just, for I it. Can't. I can't. I tried it a few times, and I'm like, I can't. I just don't know. It takes like technically, I I have all of Battlefield One, but I usually don't do a lot of the DLC stuff. So I do have uh, the full one thousand. I, I have all of Battlefield One as well. Yeah, which is oh, Modern Warfare Remastered. I did that one too. I still haven't played that. I'm waiting for them to sell that one separately. I don't think they ever are. I'm I've kind of I've kind of changed my tune on that one. They, I thought they would eventually, but they keep selling that legacy edition and they keep like clearly like pushing it so i don't know i, don't know I feel like if they happen. want more money they would just sell it by itself eventually oh, like when yeah. infinity inf what, what we're was about game? to get into infinity? call of duty whatever black ops 4 season no, um, whatever it'll be sledgehammer so it's the people who did advanced warfare so whatever their next game is, I feel like the Call of Duty cycle is about to begin and usually starts around yeah, April. Yeah, they'll, they'll like. get into it. They've uh, teased, it sounds like it's going back to its roots, which is probably a it's World usually, War game. Yeah, it's usually NBA playoffs when they do their first trailer. Yeah, which is really close. Jeez. Uh, Jeez. June, I think. June's May the June. finals. June yeah. is the finals. So, But they do start around end of April, I think. So and, uh, I don't, I don't end mind. Of April, I don't mind go back to World War II. Yeah, I think I think that's what Sledgehammer will do, yeah, and then Treyarch will do whatever they want to do because Treyarch. Which is I funny because Treyarch is they're probably one of their better. I think Treyarch is the best Call of Duty studio. War, war, they World used to be war. the worst though. That that's what's yeah. crazy. They've gotten really good at it. World at War yeah. was not. Infinity Infinity uh -huh. Ward has. Uh, I mean, they had dark days with ghosts. <laughs> Infinity Ward is. Infinity Ward by name at this point. It's not really what they. Yeah, Infinity they Ward be. is over there doing Titanfall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's that. That's Infinity Ward. Yeah. So that's anyway. why I continue to support Titanfall. Um. Okay. Last topic of the week. My topic. I wanted to ask you guys kind of 
going from Resident Evil to another horror game. Um, Outlast Mass <laughs> 2. Mass Effect 2. Yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, yeah. Um, no, Outlast 2. So this past week it got it was revealed that the game is going to be banned in Australia. <gasps> Not a huge shock because games are getting banned left and right in Australia, it seems like. But I wanted to ask you guys more specifically this time about the content of the ban and if you think there's like a line of sorts when creating things like this in gaming or in any medium. Um, I'm very much free speech, free artistic freedom, uh, all, all that stuff. Like I, I think creators should create what they want to do with it. But this one sounded really brutal and almost just, I don't know how necessary it is to the game's overall plot or anything like that. Cause I haven't played it, but essentially it got banned for what is, what sounds like a pretty detailed rape scene. Mm-hmm. And it sounded pretty graphic just from me reading it. And usually that stuff doesn't even like bother me too much, but just the way that it was written, I was like, wow, I didn't, this is I really didn't understand up. who was being raped though. Was it you? Sounds like uh, your wife or something like that. Cause I know there's a female uh, but, character in the game, but they who's... were talking about how it was occurring to you and your character was the one saying no and stop. I think I think you be you were. Being I don't raped. think so. No, because it talks about how you see somebody bent over like in a corner and you see something happening. So in Whistleblower, which was DLC for Outlast, I haven't played that, but my understanding is there is, I guess, uh, you as the player a a a rape or assault of some kind in that game. Yeah. Um. So this is. I guess not really the first time they're sort of treading that territory, right? I don't, I don't even remember. Was Outlast banned in it Australia was, the first? Um, probably. There's a bunch of dudes <laughs> in that game just running around with their dongs hanging out, trying to kill you. So that sounds bannable in Australia. Like I think what South Park was banned in Australia as well. Stick of truth. GTA was banned too, right? Yeah, Wasn't it? they've had some ones that you wouldn't think would be bannable banned over there. So. A couple of creatures are having sex off in the corner. Um, these creatures are having it. Your wife is chained up, like getting ready to be sacrificed or something. Your character says get away from her. And then a creatures push you around and rape you. So you are being raped. Your wife, okay. you don't watch your wife get raped. You, you are being raped. But there's something mm. happening in the corner, right? Like... Um, like you said, something there's something happening in the corner. There where, like, are creatures. Are there are creatures having sex over there, and then you can see some more car- creatures having sex somewhere else. So, okay. like you can see other things having sex. Your wife is not wow. being raped in front of you. Okay. Ain't it just Miami exciting? Two? Hotline Miami uh, Two was uh, banned for its rape mm-hmm. scene, which was optional. And there's a rape scene in that game. The opening, the, the tutorial. Yeah, the beginning. you you can skip it or not. But, totally uh, forget that. Yeah, which is interesting. South game. Park Stick of Truth was banned, and I'm sure Fractured Butthole will also be banned. I'm sure South Park was banned for the scene where you're fighting those. Uh, Abortion. Oh, Witcher Two yeah. was banned. That was a. Uh, that was. Yeah, I don't know. They, um, uh, and they've gotten better in Australia. Right? Like I'll give them credit, but Starbus, that was yeah. like ten years ago. They were pretty rough about everything it seemed like specifically kind of back to your question no i like i think people should be able to create the the responsibility to determine what content we consume falls on us um 
we don't need to go tell Red Barrel what they need to make so I can enjoy their game. If that's not something I'm comfortable with or want to witness or partake in, I don't need to buy their game. And that's what the rating system's for. It's the same thing for movies. It blows my mind when people take their children to see rated R films like John Wick 2 or Logan. Um, you know, like, it's funny. Uh, my dad took us to rated R movies all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> I turned out fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, like it's it's on the it falls onto the people consuming the content, and so yeah. I think Red Barrel can make whatever they want. This sounds pretty crazy. And like um, Hotline Miami Two, I'm a huge Hotline Miami fan. I could not wait for Hotline Miami Two and played it and loved it. That rape scene in the beginning of the game adds nothing to it. It's actually unnecessary. Um, I. When I it asked me if I wanted to play it when I first started the game, I was like, yeah, I do. I want to see what the contract, because, you know, it had been banned. So I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. And it was like, it makes you rape this character. And they, they pull back, and it, it's a movie that you're shooting. But then, you know, it's Hotline Miami, so it gets crazy real quick. Um, it's It was totally unnecessary. Like, it doesn't add anything to the plot. Um, who knows? This scene in this game could totally be essential. Monsters raping you while you trip on mushrooms and then a dude's mind controlling you. It could be crazy. Um, but no, it, it falls on the consumer to judge the content they want to consume. Uh, I don't think if Red Barrel wants to have spooky monsters rape you, I guess they can have it be like that. You know, that's their call. And then it's our call to determine how we want to play it and rate it yeah i mean this isn't going to be i guess a topic where we probably won't will have vastly different opinions but uh i think this is an interesting topic because i so when i freelanced at ign um i tended to work at a time during a day that i was actually around the australian crew more uh while we were online Mm-hmm. So um, I'm more familiar with with some of them than even uh, some of the, the the folks that work like in San Francisco. Uh, Lucy O'Brien being one of them, uh, fantastic writer, um, g- good friend of mine. Uh, I've seen her tweet about it and talk about it uh, on social media, and you know it's one of those things where yeah, like should we be telling developers? how to make their games no uh in a situation like this where it's like yeah i can just ignore it if i want like if it bothers me i could ignore it uh is it you know are they going overboard i mean who's to say right like it's i guess it's their artistic vision right uh these things i think lucy brought up a good point though is is if we want video games to grow and be taken seriously as a as an artistic, you know, as an art form, an art medium, whatever, um, like movies, like TV, uh, then we can't shy away from, you know, stories and topics and things like that, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I tried watching, uh, what's it called? American Horror Story, the first season. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, man, all they do is rape each other or they're just really shitty people having sex with everyone. You know, it's like they're just really shitty people, so I can't get into that show. Uh, and that's fine. Like, I know a lot of people liked it. It obviously was, this is the first season. Uh, uh, obviously, they've had multiple seasons since. More power to them. Not for me. Um, but Australia banning 
the game specifically uh i'm i mean i'm looking at this list of banned games and it's almost kind of hilarious and i get why like some of it some of these games are super violent some of these games you know it's like drug use like fallout 3 uh when you're burning was the marijuana a, fields was originally <laughs> fallout that's 3 far, was originally that's banned. oh that's far cry 3 my yeah. bad Fallout 3. 3 was originally banned because of drug use and incentives and rewards and whatnot. Later on, that got changed. But some of these games that are still banned, uh, Saints Row Fallout, like aren't even real. <laughs> That's what's funny Saints, about that. Saints Row 4. I mean, I'm oh, like yeah, Dark, Saints Row 4 Dark for Sector. Sure. Dark Sector was banned because of high impact, gory violence. At least according to this Wikipedia, Dark Sector is a great fucking game. That's an underrated game, by the way. You haven't played Dark Sector? Go play that. I tried to when I was a kid. Oh, I love that game. It's not. It's not perfect, but I love that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why there's ratings. Uh, should games be banned? You know, I, I mean, obviously, I would say no because we're. I'm in this industry, right? Like, uh, at least I have closer ties to this industry. Um, I don't think preventing someone from from playing a game in that way makes sense. Uh, but I think, yeah, the overall larger discussion is should, should we be telling developers or, or creators how to do their work? And and no, I mean, if we don't like it, well, don't buy it. You know, it's just, yeah. it's that simple. If we don't like a movie, you're not going to go to it, right? It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing I've been saying is like even with like stuff like Twitter, like you don't like a tweet somebody had, just scroll, scroll past on. it, yeah, like scroll on, it. and if they unfollow if, that person, say, block if they them, really start them. bugging you, you just unfollow them. Just, yeah. I mean, we can police this stuff ourselves, and we don't have to just because Outlast Two is able to be played in the United States it doesn't mean I have to play it necessarily because like like you said with the American Horror Story like that's not what you want to play so you're not going to or that's not what you want to watch so that's not what you're going to watch um yeah I mean obviously like you said I, I think we're all kind of in agreement on this like obviously I don't think it's a good idea to ban anything or to create constraints for creators when they're creating art or games or, or just anything um I, I guess the only thing I would say as far as criticism goes though um, have it make some sort of sense within the confines of your story don't, and not just there for the heck of it. Don't throw it sure. in just to throw it in. I, I, yeah, I exactly. Not just, don't just, don't just do it for the heck of it. And I, I think yeah. that's important with a lot of these scenarios. Like the other one I'm thinking of off the top of my head that I know really bothered people was, um, was it modern warfare two where you shot up yes. at the airport? I, Russian. yeah, I actually no played that mission for the first time, like three months ago. It's uh, I was, it's really bothersome, but it's like oh, important to the story of that game. I was, I was floored. I was like, this is, this is um, uncomfortable. Is not even strong enough a word. I was like, wow, this is um, I don't know if they would do this today. <laughs> I don't know if they yeah. would have done a mission like that today. So I mean, I guess that again though that makes sense with the story. And I guess what my question with Atlas, and I haven't played it, is how does this fit into the story of the game? And like, is it just a scene in there? I think to, it's are they are they like, oh, we're a horror game, therefore let's do something horrifying that's gonna really jar. So that's people. yeah, that's I, actually another good point because I think people talk about horror movies, especially classic horror movies, um, that rely so heavily on like, well, a woman gets raped or whatever, and she survives because you know that's I don't know vengeance. The, yeah, exactly, um, and that's kind of a that's uh, kind of a tired trope, and I'd like to get away from like that. It's interesting though with this game because it, the way it, it reads, like we just 
you know, we just did is it's a male character being raped. It's your character. Right. You're not watching your wife get raped. You were being raped. Um, which, and I think that's at least interesting in theory and concept. It's not, you know, the, Very teen, the, the, the girl you, went in the basement in her underwear. Oh mm-hmm. no, this is you. What could possibly happen? Exactly. So that's interesting. We'll see how it plans out in the story. I was not a fan of Outlast One's story. Um, the way it ended specifically, like I was just like, this is dumb. So I'm really actually, I've, I've been quite hopeful for this story. Um, cause Outlast one gameplay wise is really cool. You know, it takes away all your power. Out- um, Outlast was a game I felt lasted a little bit too long. I, yeah, I, I just thought the ending was I, so, I, I think, yeah, that was the one that it turned into like resident evil, right? That's what it felt just like. Like a lab under the house and all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, when did this turn into like, not even Resident Evil like a game. It turned into a Resident Evil movie. <laughs> Just like what the <laughs> hell happened? I was yeah. playing this really cool like, you know, horror uh, game, and then now it's like Resident Evil with uh, what's her name? Um, I always forget her name. Uh, Act- Mila Djokovic. Yeah, is that her like, name? What the Jovovich? Whatever. I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that ending was bad. <laughs> It was a bad, bad ending. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's kind of our all. Our yeah, I, mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree that the idea of just doing something just for like, hey, we're just going to throw this in there just for the hell of it. Like that's I think we're above that. And I think if we want stories, video game stories to yeah. be taken seriously, uh, we can we can get away from that. Just like the whole idea of like, hey, let's have someone get raped. And that's the whole their their vengeance, whatever is the um you know, it's like the the core of this 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 story or this game or this movie. Yeah, well, I feel like that really is almost confined to the horror genre specifically. Sure. Kind of like what you were saying, because like you are trying to elicit a specific response yeah. out of a person. So how do you do that in terms of making sense with the story while also getting that elic- that specific emotion out of the player or the watcher yeah. of the thing what whatever it is so i feel like sometimes those don't match up because it is hard to get those two to line up um yeah. and that's the only thing i guess i'd be looking for here with Atlas too but yeah i thought that was an interesting story this past week and i don't know we'll have to i was excited for the game too i don't know i don't know how i feel about it now not necessarily again not like i'm offended by it but same thing like you said with american horror story i just don't I don't know. I didn't even yeah. finish out last one. I, I got like halfway through it. I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. I, I streamed so. out last one. It was fun. Yeah, I I mean, I liked it. I just remember thinking this game has gone on probably a little too long, and that ending was just like, what, what happened? Like, it's, it's one of those games where it really feels like you turned a corner, and all of a sudden, it's a completely different game. Yeah, it, it kind of fell apart there at the end. I'd be interested to hear what you think of Resident Evil 7 and by the end of it, because it kind of does that, but it's... I can kind of see where it, it's it going. It makes a little bit more sense, and, like, it ties everything together. It's not yeah. so... Because the Outlast ending, is, it feels like it's so separate from the first two-thirds or three-fourths of the game. Resident Evil 7's a bit more... Feels like it fits Subtle. together, but it, 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 is, it is a little bit strange at the same time. I, I mean, I can kind of see where it's going already just just from where i'm at i'm like oh like this is not what i was expecting um i don't feel like it's a bad thing yet but uh also knowing what resident evil has become as a series i'm kind of like all right now i kind of see like i guess where this might fit in the whole resident evil yeah you know um just as you know just from the part that i'm at uh it's it 
you know, the game starts out as you're, you're, you're like in a haunted house, basically you're in a horror house. Right. Um, and, and it kind of deviates from that a little bit, but, uh, I, I do want to finish it and, and see where it goes. Finish it up. It's a good ending. I liked it. Um, I think that's it for episode 85 though, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we start wrapping up here. Nope. I'll see you next week for 86. No, <laughs> <laughs> Michael new current, uh, new permanent co-host to the show. Boom, boom, boom. You good, you good Max? I'm fine and dandy. Then as we begin to wrap up here, remember that you can find Millennial Gaming Speak on iTunes, on SoundCloud and on Google play. If you listen to us on any of those platforms, please like, um, not like share, comment, subscribe. That's that's for YouTube. We're you on YouTube. Should as well. do you can do you that. Should still do that. You can do uh, that. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can leave us a review. Five stars would be very much appreciated. It helps us get the show in more people's ears. And uh, we also are on Twitter. You can find the show over there at MGS Podcast. We always tweet out when we are going live with the show on YouTube, which we typically record on Sundays. Uh, we also tweet out links when the MP3s are live later in the week. You can follow myself on Twitter. I'm at Moreman12. You can follow Max. He is at Max the White. You can follow Michael at where are you at? Bizarro underscore Mike one two uh, one Z two R's one Z two R's so Bizarro I say that underscore enough, Mike I be able to just, I don't we tweeted I out his username <laughs> earlier on, yeah. at MGS podcast so if you can't spell or something like that you can you should yes. be able to find it that way um, you can hit us up on our email at uh, MGS podcast at gmail.com uh, hit us up with any questions comments or concerns that you may have uh, send us topics let us know how you feel about Outlast two or any of the other things that I'm forgetting we talked about this episode. Um, and other than facial that... Facial animations in video games. Yeah, facial animations, outrage, culture, all that good stuff. Um, fighting in the streets. Fighting in the streets, fighting cars. Fight, that fighting the car minigame. That's the only th- I always enjoy doing that. I don't know why. And that's... They should bring that back. It was... Did they it wasn't that in Street Fighter 4, was it? Or 5? They had barrels... No, no, in five they don't have anything like that because uh, they don't have an arcade mode. <laughs> I, I I specifically told kids who I worked at GameStop at the time. Kids who came in and tried to buy uh, Street Fighter Five. I specifically was like, okay, what do you want this for? And they're like, oh, like arcade mode and stuff. I'm like, no. you shouldn't buy this game. Then. Like I love this game. Don't get me wrong. I'm having I'm for the first look for the first time in like a year since it launched. I'm having fun with the game. But yeah, if there's if you have an expectation of what a fighting game should be for you, this might not fill that role. <laughs> How do you hold up online? Any any good? Uh, I mean, like I don't consider myself good. Uh, I guess, but uh, I'm. It's all relative, right? Like, uh, yeah. and online's to be honest with you, online's a different animal than when you're playing uh, offline. So yeah. uh, I don't, I try not to put a lot of stock into what I do online. I, in, in as far as rankings go, I'm constantly going back and forth between silver and super silver. Um, I've been gold rank like twice for like one one game. Uh, but I'm playing the new newest character, Colleen, and I'm having the, the most fun with that with the game. Well, I've been having fun, period. Like, I haven't had fun, really, with that game at all. Uh, I love it, but I haven't had... F- I don't think it's a game that I've really had fun with until now. How do you hold up uh, against Vince Ingenito? I know, fellow fighting game nerd. So Vince and I played... When did we play? We played... Um, I think close to when the game came out, they were doing a stream... 
Uh-huh. I jumped in the stream. I was actually one of the first ones that got vi- invited into play. Um, I don't remember the outcome. It was close. Uh, so technically, I think we're like, actually, the last time I was in San Francisco, we also played. So about a month ago, we played. Um, and he he's he's better, much better uh, than I am. But I would say he's probably put more time in. And he knows more technical things about fighting games than I do. Um, things like frame data and whatnot, because he actually used to compete in some games. Uh, I, I didn't know that. I'm not. I don't really like get into like deep dive into the science stuff because it's really hard. Like I said, you know, I've got a full time job, family, kids. You can't you know, spend time sitting at home figuring out everybody's boxes and stuff like it's that. It's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. So I have to figure out how to apply my time wisely and i'm actually going to consider or figure out a way to do that more because i am having fun with colleen and i would like to learn better matchups better and things like that so then it becomes a matter of like all right how do i you know i I feel like i just have to find people that i can play certain characters um and just learn those matchups um just like anyone else would but i just have less time to do it than most people yeah but well, he's he's better than me, um, and I think at this point, I remember one time we played Street Fighter Four. I beat him, um, two out of three. Uh, but I think the last couple times we played Street Fighter Five, he's had the upper hand. He should get into that esports scene then. He's he's looking around, jumping yeah, into the yeah. esports scene, competitive or writing about it. Yeah, one or the other. I don't know if he'll do, I don't know if he'll do competitive. He's done that before, and I'm not sure that he's, he likes the feeling of it now. Yeah, he's a. Uh, He's he such a about it. he's such a good writer in all avenues though. Like I really Amazing. hope he I hope he lands on his feet somewhere covering broad he's games amazing. industry stuff still because yeah. he is so good. And we talked about him a little bit last week yeah. on the show. Um, Michael, I found out about him getting laid off when I got off the plane. In oh, Boston. for PAX. Oh and yeah, that's right because it happened that uh, was it that I, Thursday or Friday? Thursday and was it Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday and. I, I texted him right away and like I'm walking through the airport like tearing up like I'm not really full-blown crying but like I'm I'm upset because uh-huh. um, he's he's a very dear friend of mine so um yeah that was pretty upsetting how's he how's he not to get to I know we're trying to wrap things up here but how's he <laughs> how's he doing overall like I feel like he just looking at his tweets and stuff I feel like part of him is enjoying the hustle a little bit again I'm, I'm sure he wishes he could be back there in a heartbeat but yeah i mean and obviously you can't speak I for him yourself or anything like that you know like job wise i don't know specifically what he's doing um I, i'm sure there's going to be opportunities where he'll he can probably freelance um it's hard i mean everyone who wants to get in this industry knows that there are very few job openings and when they come up there's a lot of people that are uh contending I would consider him one of like a favorite for any job that he applies for. Right. Yeah. Um, but as far as like work he's doing post IGN, uh, I don't know for sure. We haven't really talked about stuff like that. Uh, I see him tweeting a little more than he usually does. So I feel <laughs> like he's probably enjoying a little bit of time for off time, or a yeah. little bit of like, yeah, like relief. Yeah. Like you can play games for fun now. Like that's a different thing. When you stop writing about games or when you stop reviewing games, like, holy shit, I can play a game just because I want to. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. man, that's the best feeling in the world. So yeah, I he'll be fine. I know he'll be fine. Um, I don't know specifically what he wants to do. San Francisco's super expensive to live in. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, he's incredibly talented. I I wish I could have done more work with him, but we've we've talked so much. And every time I go to San Francisco, I hit him up. We hang out. Um, so yeah, I love him to death. He's he's like my brother. Well, Michael, thank you Rest for coming in on. Peace. Rest in yeah. peace, Vince. Vince is dead. Still alive. We, we talked. We talked about Colin last week. Like he was he, dead with his whole. He's still thing. alive. <laughs> everybody's all these people are moving on and we're acting like they're dead. Um, Michael, thank you for coming on. It's been thank you nice for having to me. actually get you here. Like I said, I feel like we've been working this out for so long, but it was nice to have you here. Thank you for talking about fighting games and all that other stuff with us, shedding some light on those things that we have no knowledge of. So I appreciate that. Um, that's my job. That's your job. I know it's probably really easy for you. You're like, Oh, job. just talk about fighting games with people yeah. who have no idea what I'm saying. I could just I mean, lie to them right now and they'd know no look different. Look at my room. <laughs> oh, nerd man <laughs> i would like to say i did try to get in fighting games at one point street fighter 4 i even bought the fight stick fighting stick for it just couldn't do it because so, you're bad I mean, get good yeah Scrub. max i will say though you, fighting sticks the way to go oh oh i know on. just like in smash brothers if you don't play with a gamecube controller you're a heathen um probably two you have two how many you got down there Michael's pulling out all three. Oh my god! All right, three. So these two boxes right here are are three sixty sticks. I just put them away because I'm like, are the, I got... those are the ones I. That's the one I have as well. Yeah, I Except mine's for a PS3. Some in the closet there too. <laughs> anyway, wrapping up this show. I know we did the wrap up and then talked for an extra five minutes there. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening this week. Please come back next week for episode eighty six, Max. We need to get somebody on here who knows a lot about Mass Effect. That falls in your wheelhouse, buddy, because I'll sit here and talk about what I know, which is it's garbage. Yeah, so we're not even going to have Max on next week's show. I'll be here. Uh, Bye, Max. We'll see you at 87. Reviews drop tonight, midnight Pacific time, so... By the time you're listening to the MP3, they'll be out. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Once again, we do appreciate it, and we will be back next week with episode 86. But until then, have a great week. We love you. Bye-bye. Be nice.